When I was looking at colleges as a teenager, I decided I wanted to go to a woman's college. I had an, attended an amazing all-girls Catholic school where I'd make great friends, I'd found my voice, I had teachers who were passionate about what they were teaching and about social justice. So it made sense that I would try to find the same thing when I went to college. Also, I may have been a little bit of a snob, and I wanted to go to someplace prestigious. I thought one of the seven sisters in New England would be about right. So I set my sights on Smith and Mount Holyoke in Massachusetts. However, a friend of my parents mentioned that we might want to check out the women's colleges in Virginia as well. So we toured Smith and Mount Holyoke and Hollins and Randolph-Macon Women's College in Virginia. They were all beautiful and welcoming. I loved the northern schools. I imagined myself in picturesque New England towns, kicking leaves in the autumn as I walked to classes, earnestly discussing great literature in the classroom, and staying up late to talk about politics in the dorm. But my parents had other ideas. They loved the southern schools, especially Randolph-Macon. The campus is a gem. And all the southerners were so genteel, they just bowled over my parents from Pittsburgh. And finally, my mother confessed, well, she and my father hoped that maybe, maybe a southern women's college would smooth out my rough edges. I guess now is the right time to admit that I might have been a somewhat difficult teenager. I had some rough edges to be sure and strong opinions and I subjected my parents to all of that quite regularly. They wanted my rough edges smoothed and now I can see that I probably needed a little tempering, a little softening. But rough edges are not always a bad thing. In fact, in our readings today and frankly in most of the Bible, we meet folks with almost nothing but rough edges. First, today we have Jacob the trickster who deceives everyone around him all the time. Remember, he has stolen his brother Esau's rightful inheritance and blessing as the firstborn son. And he did that by tricking his blind father Isaac into thinking that he was Esau. This is the same Jacob who just, just before this story has run away from his father-in-law and employer in the middle of the night. This is the one who's on the run from his brother Esau who has threatened his life over that birthright that's been stolen. Next, we meet a woman in the gospel who is all rough edges, a widow, one of the most vulnerable in society, but she's not acting meek and mild. She refuses to be quiet 
in the face of injustice. She returns to court day after day, confronting an unjust judge, demanding justice against her opponent. She is noisy and pushy, a real pain in the tail. Both these folks have lots of spines and spokes and rough edges. And yet how much they have to teach us. For these folks with rough edges teach us what it means to be in real relationship with God. What it looks like to pray always and not lose heart. Jacob, on the run from his angry brother Esau, finds himself out in the wilderness on his own when suddenly he is confronted with a man who wrestles with him all night long. They wrestle and they wrestle with no clear winner, so the man, God in human guise, strikes him on the hip, knocking his hip out of joint, and God, God begs to be released because daybreak is coming, and He knows no one can look on God and live. But Jacob refuses to let go of God. I will not let you go unless you bless me. In the middle of this fight, he grunts out this claim, bless me. God's forced to give Jacob a blessing and renames him Israel, for he has striven with God and humans and has prevailed. Jacob, the trickster, will not let go until he gets what he demands. He leaves with a new name, but he's limping. And the widow? Well, She doesn't wrestle with God, but she does confront a powerful authority, one who says, I do not fear God or have respect for people. And she pesters him and she bugs him day in and day out, crying out for justice. She knows that people are ridiculing her. She knows people are staring and she knows we all wish that she would just be quiet and go home and stop making a scene. But she doesn't give up. Finally, in exasperation, the judge relents. Not because he admits the merit of her cause, he doesn't see the injustice in her situation, he just wants to be rid of her. He decides to grant her justice so she won't keep coming and wearing him out. It can also be translated as, I will grant her justice so she won't give me a black eye. The widow is that persistent. She's that annoying. She has used those rough edges to shame the judge into doing what is right. These are rough-edged folks, to be sure. You might not invite them to your dinner party because they would not be smooth and charming but I think that they are a model of faith for how we are to wrestle with God and live out our faith in the world. For following God is messy, it's visceral, 
It's flesh and blood business. God isn't far away and removed, dispassionate or disinterested in us. God is a God who will wrestle with us. God's a God whom we can fight with, we can argue with, flesh to flesh. We can disagree and we can argue and we can demand things of God. After all, God just might change God's mind. We can pray with ferocity. We can cry out in anger or pain or frustration and God will enter the fray with us. There's nothing that we can't show God. There's no punch that we can throw that God cannot take. And we are meant to be just as passionate and vehement and loving and fierce out in the world like the widow. Unlike the unjust judge, we are to fear God and we are to respect people. Even more, we are to love God and love people. And that means fighting passionately for justice. Now that's almost always messy. It might involve doing things that aren't charming, things that are a little embarrassing, whether marching in a protest or calling up our elected officials and demanding justice. It means calling out folks when they don't respect other people. It means trusting that God wants justice for you and for me and for all of God's children. And it is our job to be like the widow and push for it. So rough-edged folks, our Bible is teeming with them and Jacob and the widow are among the best. They trust that God wants them to be fully engaged, wants us fully engaged with God and with the world, even to the point of embarrassment. After all, we follow the one who got so involved with the world that he joined us in human form. The one with rough edges, who challenged those in power, who oppressed and left out others. We follow the one who overturned tables in anger in the marketplace, cried out to God in anger and sorrow. We follow the one who for love of the Father and love of us did the most embarrassing, most brave, most scandalous, most loving thing of all death on a cross. Some rough edges require softening. I'm glad that I was smoothed out a bit in college. But the rough edges that keep us sharp and fierce enough to wrestle with God, to cry out for justice. Well, those rough edges, I think we'd better keep. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.